You've got a lot of sausages and things that just come to their head and... And it chipped it away again! Toby Flood. God's sake! He pulled my scrub cap off and he squirted water in my face and you're not allowed to do that! Suck it off! Shut the computer top! What a yoga! <laughs> Hello and welcome to uh, Season 2, Episode 2 of the Waste High Rugby Podcast. Um, the podcast that no one asked for, but you've got anyway. Today, we're joined by Adam, Tom, and our special guest for the week is Seb, uh, one of the local Norwegian referees. So really happy to have you all on. Um, firstly, gents, let's start with uh, Tom and Adam. How are we? It would be so much nicer, Ed, if you would say Tom. How are we? Or Adam, how are we? How are we? Rather than Tom and Adam. Because now we're like silence. Yeah, now we have to like decide who's gonna go first. And in this case, I've chosen to be the alpha male and go first (laughs) and show leadership skills and leadership qualities. So what was the question? How are you? Oh, all right. Adam's (laughs) turn. Thanks for that, Tom. Um, I'm actually brilliant. I've um my spare time has been filled with watching the Instagram account of Tom in North, which has been riveting. And uh, yeah, finally over my hangover from the weekend. So yeah, all good. Finally got over it from training last night, which was brutal. But yeah, very good. Thanks, Ed. Great stuff. Sebastian, Se- or Seb, what do you prefer? Seb or Sebastian? <laughs> I- I'm more used to Seb. Cool. Great. So Seb, how are you? I'm How's fine. You thank, you. Yeah. thank you for the invitation. Of course, no problem at all. Um, so yeah, I thought it'd be good to kind of um get into it a little bit today. Um, it's not often we can have a referee on the pod, um, to kind of you know look into the the other side of the sport that we we do love. Um, so yeah, I guess Seb, first, firstly, you know, what what do you do outside of rugby, you know, maybe work wise, and then what made you want to become a, a referee in in rugby and especially in Norway? Because like I said, I suppose with a name like Sebastian, you're not you're not Norwegian. No, I'm a fair question. I'm I'm from Argentina, uh, and around twenty years ago, I left the country. I joined a, a German multinational company, chemical company, and in 2016, they acquired a small site in Sandnes, um, here close to Stavanger. And um, one and a half years ago, I came over to be the managing director. Um, to, to answer the second question, how uh, did I become a referee? Well, you know, um, I was a player back then. I started with, I forgot now, 10 years old. And I was lucky enough to play um, in my school and also at the club. And then I, I left the country, but I was still lucky. I um, played in Singapore and then I ended up my humble career in Germany, in Frankfurt. And you know, I was, um, yeah, I, I didn't want to accept the fact that my, my body, at first my age, and second my body couldn't stand it anymore. So um, after I tore my bicep um, playing in Frankfurt, then I said, okay, now enough is enough. And for, I, 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 you know, when, when you can't play anymore, you know, you don't have so many options. You either become a coach, you can become the team manager, you can become the water boy, you can become a referee. Uh, maybe you guys have more examples of jobs you could take over. But I, um, I don't know, blame my, my parents. They are both uh, lawyers. Maybe in my DNA, I have this uh, um, love for justice, for fairness. And then yeah, it was in my blood to become a referee. Yeah. Awesome. I, I won't lie. I've just done a little bit of facebook stalking from when you said you you played rugby and refereed in in germany said we actually have some mutual friends from the the germany community okay cool. uh, paul warman dan o'connell of course man they, they are referees very yeah, good yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 they're uh two well paul is definitely a, a very close friend of mine but yeah. i know dan and i know a lot of the other referees in germany as well uh yeah paul was at home last year yeah, you can say yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Came to my place. Yeah, he did because he stopped by in Oslo first. So I spent a couple of days with him here with his uh, fiance. Yeah, good work. Yeah, <laughs> nice, cool. Um, 
Yeah, definitely. You know, in I guess in Europe, especially, it is in a lot of these countries like Germany, where it's an up and coming sport. It is definitely a small world with uh, players and referees alike. Um, yeah, that's kind of a nice little segue, though, from when you were playing to now refereeing. Do you believe that the best referees are ex-players or not? Yeah, I thought this is a general question. Principally, yes, of course. Yeah, when and I had the chance to work um, uh, with a close friend to Seb, the referee. Uh, she's a, a world rugby referee, and um, she um, actually tries all the time to convince ex-players to become a referee. And and this is very simple because I I couldn't imagine refereeing without having been in, on, on the pitch. You know, because an, a referee, a, a, an ex-player understands when, when you're trying as a player to cheat. I don't know. I, I was thinking of situations like, for example, a deliberate knock-on in a tackle. You know, when um, the other team is about to score and you, you know, you, you, trick, you try to trick the referee, you tackle and you knock on the ball deliberately. Yeah? Someone who has been playing knows exactly. Yeah, and the same goes uh, with um, dangerous tackles. The same goes with uh, scrumming, for example. So I, I do believe, and especially uh, I hear that a lot. And when when sometimes I get a negative feedback a lot of times, but when I get positive feedback, one of it is um, allowing players to play. So playing advantage all the time. And if you've been a player, you know that you want to play, play and play. And um, for example, if there is a knock-on situation, you don't blow the whistle immediately. You just play advantage. And this is why I would say, um, having been a player, yeah, or if you have an ex-player who wants to become a referee, that's, of course, a plus. Nice. So is it kind of in your, your personal refereeing philosophy, or I guess if you want to call it for lack of a better word, do you, kind of, do you want to let the game flow more? Or do you want it to be more open? then that that's always the goal yeah let yeah. play let play even mm. you can always and it's even in the lobo yeah you can always go back in your decision so let play mm. you can buy there are tricks also for referees you can buy some time you know um go talk a little bit to the ar but yeah let play first let play yeah you don't blow the whistle yeah. to consult if you have doubts no you just let play and then you go and consult please nice Aside from being an ex-player, what else makes a good referee then, in your view? Yeah, uh, I think communication is, is absolutely important. Yeah, uh, being able to um, communicate all the time, to talk instead of blowing the whistle. Yeah, um, I, I prefer chatting. Yeah, if if I see that someone is offside, I I let the guy know that he's uh, he's offside or she's offside, um, instead of you know, sarcastically waiting for uh, the ball to be played and then I blow the whistle, you were offside. No, you, you communicate first. And I think people appreciate that. Um, being uh, very transparent and also taking some time to explain. Yeah, um, That doesn't mean I, I like or I, I would advise to enter into a debate. Uh, you don't debate, but you explain once. And then if, if they, they, uh, people want more explanations, I mean, in this case, I say people, but mainly the captain, yeah? only the captain. If he wants further explanations, then you say, okay, we can have a chat in the changing room, you know, after the game, no problem. But yeah. Do you think that, so it, it sounds like, you know, it's a balance of you need to communicate, but you also need to be quite assertive in the sense that you can't let it drag into a big debate. You kind of like yes. need to make the points and then move on, right? Correct. And, and you know, always uh, not trying to, to uh, leave the impression you're being arrogant as well. So mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of, uh, and I'm not saying I'm there, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm too old now. Unfortunately, I started too late. And, and, and if Paul or Dan would be listening to, they, they might have another, um, I wanted to give that disclaimer before uh, that, all I'm sharing are my my ideas, my thoughts based on, on the experiences I had, and I had some good experience uh, in games uh, refereeing. You know, I, I had the chance to referee at least five years, uh, and in Germany you can ref every week, yeah? and, and also oh, yeah. at international school in Germany. So I'm talking about my my cases. Yeah? Yeah. So I think also you asked me, um, Ed, 
why I like referring. I think you can actually um, also use, or, or uh, let's put it this way, refereeing helps to another areas of life as well and, and also in your job because you need to um, boost your leadership skills as you said you have to persuade people to calm down you know uh, captains for example this is not a debate yeah i explain you once if you keep on trying to actually look for a debate then yeah you will get a penalty and then you will get a yellow card so stop the debate yeah? so and and you have to cool is for me it's, it's very difficult to wear yeah but it also helps you in other areas of, of life and in your jobs as well. Definitely. Yeah, I totally, well, I say I can relate to it. I'm not a referee, unfortunately, so I can't, but I can imagine that it's, it does take a lot of, you know, leadership and you have to be quite reflective at times and look back and, uh, but yeah, and then obviously those are qualities that you can take into, you know, whether it's, it's work stuff or even family life, I suppose, as well. Um, yeah, very interesting. Uh, Tom or Adam? Any? Yeah, I think Adam's waving his hand. <laughs> no, I, I, just just to, just to confirm that what what Seb saying really is, uh, you know, I've, I've been ref by Seb on a number of occasions whilst being a captain, and uh, it's it's really refreshing that uh, just, just the the dialogue which Seb has uh, and the of evident respect that he has for, not just for the players but for the game and and. It's always a pleasure when you when you reference that, but I'm not just saying that because you're here. Uh, I say this behind your back as well. Um, it, it always feels like I can talk to him, and I think respect is always, you know, not to sound too cliche, but respect is always a two way thing. Um, when I was doing my coaching courses, it was always said that nobody cares what you know unless they know you care, and I think it's the same with the referee. Um, he, he said when he when he first time he ever refereed me, I just got this kind of warmth and willing to kind of like. Okay, we've got a game, and he was excited for the game. We were excited for the game, and it was clear that okay, let's try and keep him on our side. Um, and it was very easy to keep him on our side because he was very clear with his communication, what he's expecting from the game, and it gives us focus. Then, okay, right, this is what he's going to be looking for. Don't do that. So, you know, with the game we, we played last week, um, Seb's coming up to me when when a couple of things happen, he he'll come and warn me and go, right, tell your players this and this, and then we have a little huddle, right, guys. Referee's not happy with this. And then we know where our guidelines are and where our boundaries are. And he, because he can see the overlook, because when you're a player, you're just like tunnel vision. You're just on about getting that ball, doing everything. And everything you do is right when you're a player. And and when you're told, when you, you do it in a way, Seb, which I really enjoy, which is it's it's not this kind of, no, you're doing it wrong. It's more of a, right, if you, this is what I've seen. Um, and I, I'd not like to see it anymore, kind of thing, in a very respectful way. So I can confirm what he was saying is, is true. <laughs> I'm sure Tom might have something different to say. <laughs> I do have a slightly different opinion. So my issue when I watch international rugby and club rugby is these players are professionals. Why are we explaining the rules to them? Why am I having to wait one minute for the referee to explain the laws to a professional rugby player? Surely they should know them already. It's the only sport where the referee seems to have to be almost a coach on the pitch to players. In your example earlier, Seb, you said that you would tell a player when he's offside and to move back or warn them. I would say, he's offside, just give me the penalty. So where do you think like the balance goes there with coaching and That's just refereeing the rules? That, that's a fair uh, way of seeing things. But in my opinion, if, if that happens yeah, and all the refs start behaving like that, then uh, you have a lot of interruptions. And we talk at the beginning, uh, and I'm sure you guys as players, you like the flowability of the game. So if uh, we start having all these interruptions, then it becomes a boring game, not only for the players, but for the, the, the guys paying the tickets, you know, and, and the guys... Uh, also paying for the uh, a via play subscription and so on. So it becomes a boring thing for everyone. And that's why I believe it's not uh, being a coach, uh, but it's actually warning. It's actually making the game flow. Go on, Adam. Yeah, yeah just on that as well. I was once told that rugby has laws, not rules. Um, which means that laws are open to interpretation. Someone said that to me once. Is there any truth in that, Seb? 
because I know in football, like obviously they're very strict and it's like, these are the rules, this is it. Rugby, it seems like one referee could interpret something a little bit different than another one. Is there any? Definitely. Um, I think then a consistency comes uh, in question. And I think Adam is frozen, is freeze. Um, I think um, the consistency is uh, then uh, the, the main issue. Of course, uh, we can all interpret things uh, a bit differently as long as a tip tackle, a tip tackle starts with a red, depending on the landing. That means if I saw or we saw with the assistant referee, and of course in international rugby you see with the TMO, if the player is landing on the head, then it's a red card. If the player is landing on his back or his shoulder, then it's a yellow card. And we all, uh, worldwide, yeah, and not only at, at the, the first level, we all need to be consistent with the law yeah, and how we um, react if we see the same. Yeah? Then you can interpret things. You, you can actually blame fairness. Yeah, but that's not fair because um, shoulder to the head, yes, but he didn't intend to. Yeah, but shoulder to the head, guys in any level, and, and we see lack of consistency as well in the first in, in first level. Yeah, we saw it uh, with the game England, uh, um, was it uh, South Africa? No, England, number 10 got uh, yellow carded and then red. Oh, uh, Aaron Farrell. Yeah, I don't like uh, using names, but against whom was the, uh, the game? Um, England. Um, it's not definitely South Africa, it was England. No. Wasn't it Wales or Ireland? Uh, it was, uh, Fiji. It wasn't Fiji. Or no, that was before. No, it was Wales or Ireland. Okay. Yeah. So you saw, you see, uh, and, and you, you might recall the same player um, against South Africa years ago. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Brilliant ref was um, officiating last game, uh, last play of the game, and then um, he, he definitely hit the made a shoulder contact with, with the head. That was a clear red card, and the referee didn't see that, and he didn't even... And I have tons of videos, Argentina, New Zealand, the referee even explaining the player, yeah, there's um, a head contact, yellow card. Guys, if there is a head contact, if it's a dangerous situation, what rugby says, the advice is a red card. There's no mitigation. So why at this level... So other way around. Imagine if at this level... Yeah, we have this kind of, we all interpret the law the same way, but there is no consistency. So then translate this into Norwegian rugby, Danish rugby, Scandinavian rugby, German rugby. So you, you, you have to expect then worse things. So this happens at top level. Did, did I answer your question, Adam? No, spot on. Yeah, I know. Thank you. What What's the one law that is the hardest to enforce or the hardest to referee, especially at like the level of, let's say, Norwegian rugby? Oh, good question. Because I, I would like to say uh, what, what's the most difficult thing. I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't put it that way. I would put it, and then I can answer the, the other question. What's the most difficult thing to ref in Norway? Yeah. yeah. Scrumming. Scrum, because there you need assistant referees who understand. Yeah, um, you have a few, but still you need them all the time. And then it's also very difficult um, to spot because scrumming in all levels is, is the most difficult thing to ref. Uh, and of course, you need experienced people. We have a lot of uh, front rows in in um, Norway that, uh, as a ref, makes me happy. And also as a guy who's now promoting and supporting uh, Norwegian rugby. I'm very happy to see that, but it still is the most difficult to ref. Yeah, that kind of makes sense because um, we don't. Not every club in Norway has a scrum machine, and I know for certain that not every team probably has the numbers of players to do live scrumming against each other, and also the little amount of games that we play. So, like in the UK, if your club hasn't got a scrum machine. Well, you probably go to another club, but um, it doesn't matter because you've got 40 games. So there's 40 opportunities there for having a lot of scrums. Uh, so it, that kind of makes sense as to why the scrum scrum time could be be a difficult one. Yeah. 
yeah, I know. Um, I said it in the last episode, like for 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 us at, at our club, you know, it's this it's the squirm, which is the the weakest area, and we know it's it's something that we need to work on collectively, and um, you know, it's yeah, it's it's a real work on for us, and I think a lot of it is just you know we don't you know a lot of players in Norway they join or they start to pick up the game when they're you know 17 or 18 years old so they haven't really developed like you know throughout their early years in like playing rugby so they've joined at you know an older age and it's harder to learn the technique of that age as well so we have some really great players with a lot of really good potential in our club but you know it's just really hard to kind of get through that tech get them to learn that technique to be a, a solid scrummager um which is obviously impacting our games as well a little bit it's um yeah it's a really hard area to coach when you don't have the either the facilities or the numbers to to do it on a regular basis i guess it's, it's good that you say that because um it has nothing to do with um, the question um, mm. but i think you guys in no way have to be proud of yourselves um, it all starts with discipline, and I think um, the, the respect that I've been shown um, since I, I first officiated a training camp in April last year uh, when yeah. Norwegian national team, and, and, and then all the games, uh, regardless if, if you have people then who um, are questioning me after the game or giving me negative feedback, during the game, yeah, starts with discipline, and you guys have been showing very good discipline towards the ref. Um, Yes, I, I did see dangerous tackles, but nothing, you know, reckless where you say, okay, maybe here in Norway we need to discuss because uh, we are having these uh, tip tackles or we're having, you know, landings on and the people tackling on the air. I haven't seen that. Um, and also when you look at the number of, uh, as I said before, front rows you have, uh, you even have Norwegian front rows. Yeah? So every time I see a Norwegian who plays rugby, I'm proud. Or I'm yeah. happy. And if he's Norwegian rugby player, is a prop, then it's a plus. <laughs> if he's prop and tackle, and I have one in mind, then he's like my hero. You know, so, <laughs> I think you guys have been doing a, a great job. You can see. I mean, I, I started following Norwegian rugby since I came here, and since I started to get involved in refereeing, and you see also a big change um, in the game um, in the last game, Norway versus uh, Denmark. And so. You shouldn't be so hard, and and you said it, and um, you you guys said it also before. This is like any any type of job and and life, you know, is learned by doing. And if you have a couple of games throughout the year, I mean, yeah, it's, it's very difficult. So I think the uh, the one thing is yes, we need coaches, we need referees to coach there, we need players, but we need games, we need games. Yeah. That, that actually really nicely brings me on to one of the questions we had, which was, you know, I know this season is really short for us in, in Norway. It's it's kind of, you know, four club games and then a, a final and maybe a third and fourth place playoff as well. So max teams are looking at five games. If not, it's going to be four games. If some teams can't put four fixtures, it's obviously going to be even less. And, um, you know, I, I think especially for us uh, at our club at Linden, it's, it's quite hard. We have three away games and three consecutive weekends. Um, so there is a risk we might have to pull out of one. Um, although actually our numbers for Trondheim at least, which is our next game, are really good. But um, as a referee, do you want to be, do you want us to have a full season in terms of home and away games? So we're playing eight or nine or ten games a year or... Or do you, are you guys just focusing on on the short season now? Then you can take a bit of time off and come back next season. Or how how do you see it? You mean how do I see it as a referee? Or how yeah, as a referee, and or like maybe with the other referees as well in Norway. Are you kind of um, how to put it? Do you think that this kind of short season is good, or do you are you basically do you prefer a longer season of more games as well? Of course, if you ask my preference and, and what's better for rugby, what's better for you guys, what's better for coaches, what's better for uh, referees is having a long season, having, if because we have to be realistic, we don't have that many teams here. And if you would have many teams, you have injuries. Um, so uh, we, we, we have um, teams um, 
abroad that, that, that would be willing to come here. I have contacts in Sweden and we had all prepared for a Frankfurt 1880, the champions in Germany to come over and play and play against the national team. And so I, I would rather advocate to have a lot of games, yeah, a, a long season, because it plays also, I don't know you guys, what would be your answer, but or what motivates you to go to the gym, yeah, to join a CrossFit box, um, if it's just uh, looking good, uh, having a good body, or if it's really preparing for a game. And, and I think the same goes for everyone and for referees. So it, it's a motivation, the, the, the answer. So if, uh, and I, I, I ask you guys, how would you be more motivated if you know that you have a long season ahead of you, um, or if you know that it's just five, t- five games, yeah, so then you, you, I, 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 I don't focus on it. I'll, I'll I'll answer first. I'll I'll let Tom and Adam obviously answer as well. I think for me, the more games the better. Like one hundred percent. I really liked it last year when it was kind of the first half of the season, which started in April time, I think it was, and then you played a few games, you had a break, and then you played some more. Um, I think it worked really well. You know, it was even, so there was no discrepancy in terms of um, one team having more away fixtures than others. Uh, which has been the case for us this year. And ultimately, it gets people playing, right? And the more that people can play, the better. The more referees can referee, the better. The more coaches can coach, the better. Because it's experience at the end of the day, right? I'm If I'm going to be realistic, I'm probably towards the end of my playing career, which has been you know, not really that existent. Uh, <laughs> I think Tom's slightly happy at that. But, you know, and I, I want to personally, I want to go more into the coaching side. And, you know, this, this year is going to be tough for me. I can't coach. I won't be at most of the other games because of various commitments. But ultimately, I want our team to be playing. And I want them to play as much as, we, as they can. Because it's going to benefit the national team. It will benefit people in general. And finally, I think we, we can all see by Adam's stature that no matter how much you go to the gym, you can never get a good body um, guaranteed. Thanks, thanks, Ed. That uh, was a nice introduction for one of my my reply. Um, I try my hardest, but um, uh, it's just my rig is my rig. It's genetics I'm putting it down to. But anyway, um, no, Ed, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Uh, but then we, we obviously we tried that last season, and and there was a lot of um, not negativity, but it's it's quite expensive to play rugby in Norway because you know in the UK it's easy because you've you. Uh, furthest you have to go really is an hour to drive um and there's clubs everywhere you know here it's it's a weekend away on an away game or at best it's 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 a flight or an eight hour drive you know it's it's, it costs a lot of money so we're going to take that into consideration at the end of the day i think it all kind of should come from the the top down so what's going to be best for the national team and your, your point ed is is very valid you know the more games the better the, the players going to be more seasoned they're going to be more contact um uh averse uh, you know they, they've got a heart body's going to be harder when it comes to the, the tests uh, i don't know i don't know if there's a, 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 a magic wand that can be waved to, to fix this problem but I, I like the the east versus west games I think that's a good idea to get an, an, an automatic two games uh, extra on. But also the fact that in Bergen, we're doing a development game as well. So those guys who aren't at a certain level can then come and get an extra game as well um, in a development scenario. So maybe we can do more things like that. And I'm just trying to think like, obviously, we're only a five hour drive from, from Bergen. Maybe we can, if Stavanger wants some extra games, we do a friendly against Bergen. Uh, we can blood some players that are new instead of them having to go straight into a league game. You guys share a pitch with Sargana. Is there, you know, is there an opportunity there for you guys to play a, a practice match on a bye weekend or, you know, blood some of your players so that you don't actually have to then have another away game where it's costing people money, but also being away from families and that kind of thing. So it's one of those, I, I think it's one of those things we still haven't found that that pit, there's a pinch point somewhere, and we still haven't found that what's going to what's going to work because Norwegians they take the whole they take the summer off, don't they? So they're with us, which is when the best weather is for the pitches. So it, it kind of like you've got a month away in the middle of what should be a season, really. So it's it's, yeah. it's it's yeah yeah it's it is a tough one, and I think you know I'm I'm just talking about it from more of a, a balanced perspective as having each team home and away, 
you still you get yes, you're gonna play four away games potentially, or if you're Blinden three, uh, because Sargon is Sargon. And um that could, those costs can be split throughout a year, right? I know this is a bit of an anomaly this season, but what's been asked of our players is to have those games in a month. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Talk about expense, but and that is very expensive <laughs> if you yeah. look at flights and hotels and then a social afterwards. You know, putting that money together for for a lot of our players who then also have to be away from their families over three consecutive weekends potentially, or away from job or commitments or whatever else, right? Um, it's it's tricky. It's tricky, but I was actually involved in the conversation about when when we went back to home and away from last season, yeah. the season before. I was actually involved in the conversation when when that happened, and because one of the reasons, main reasons, was fairness. Because away games, everyone's always weaker on away games. So if you've got more away games and you're a team which is like Trondheim and Blinden, predominantly students who haven't got that much coin, it doesn't really matter too much for Stavanger. We come from the oil capital, Oslo. The boys are the second most expensive place in the world to live. Do you know, so the, it was the idea of fairness that because, okay, you might lose that away game against that person, but then you're going to be stronger when they're weaker, when they come to you. So, it, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's a tough one. to it's a, it's a discussion that's been going on as long as I've been playing in Norway. Uh, yeah. And it's how we do it. And I think, I think if we can get some more of these East-West games, development games, just to get some more actual games, it's going to benefit everyone. And I mean, when I mean everyone, I mean coaches, referees, the whole community, because it's so nice. I don't know, you, I don't know about you, Seb. You, I know you've um, really enjoyed coming into the rugby community. Uh, and I, I know that for a fact because, you know, you always join us for socials and you always do a nice speech and you always mention about the community. But it, it, isn't it just really nice just to get people in one place around that rugby community? How how how's your experience been with that, Sisem? Yeah, definitely, and, and and again, it all comes down to 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 we need support, yeah, and and, and this support needs to come maybe from um, yeah Norway, yeah, and the first Norway understands what they want for rugby here in this country, and because it, as you say, Adam everything surrounding rugby and I, I, I go back to the first question why why rugby why refereeing why it's all about the values rugby has yeah and and, and I think people need to know about this yeah and, and that's why the more games we have the, the better for everyone yeah the better for the players for the coaches for the referees and in Germany we used to have once a week a call like this one yeah with all the referees because we were talking exchanging and here Maybe we tried, but it, it, at the end of the day, we are all human beings and we, we are not motivated. If you have three games a year, yeah, you are not that motivated to even look for new referees and coach. And so, uh, yes, Adam, I mean, the, the, the rugby community is amazing. Yeah? The, 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 but you're, I'm, I'm a bit subjective with, with the answer because um, every time, and I, I've been living in different countries, every time, and I told you once this, Adam, and I come to a first place, I googled rugby near me, and then um, pops up, I mean, I think it popped up Seth's name, and then she made a contact with you, and without you knowing me, you invited me to the, your place to watch uh, Sick Nations. Yeah, I didn't go, you uh, never invited me again, I don't know why, but um, this explains you what the rugby values, or what the rugby community is, so you, we, ha- we need to let people know, wherever you go in, in any country in the world yeah when it comes to rugby you all speak we all speak the same language people yeah it's a it's a yeah it's a very valid point i think you know for me i so i was i i don't know how many of the episodes you've listened to said probably probably not many but um i used to play rugby in the czech republic and we had a sevens tournament once and uh in in prague and all the referees came over from germany so it was that's where I met Paul, that's where I met Dan, I met John O'Tepler, you probably know him, Josh Ferrari, um, all these boys I met. And, you know, after one of the games, you know, they were in Prague for the weekend and they were like, oh, you know, I never met them. And they were like, where can we go and watch the international games? So I just said to them, oh, like, I'm actually going to go to the pub and, you know, with my mates and and watch it with them and you know you're more than welcome to join us and you know this is after a full day or full weekend of, of rugby and they came along and you know from there we they became some of my closest friends and like I still speak to Jono a lot I still speak to Paul a lot and um, you know I actually went to uh, the 
and M sevens with them in Germany. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, we yeah, created, yeah. Uh, yeah, we we created a referees team plus Ed, this ginger English guy yeah. who was tackling a lot. When was that? When was uh, that? It must have been twenty nineteen. Okay. Yeah. I think the year before COVID. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah, we took part. Yeah. It was a great tournament. That really good. But we, uh, we we created this. Uh, yeah, it's a, a referees team which we entered plus plus me, <laughs> which was a bit bizarre. Then I was I was there. Yeah. Uh, was it when um, who got smashed in the South African um, Justin? Yeah. The big trunk and and or he he couldn't play even well. I mean everyone. Yeah, that sounds about right actually. Yeah. Justin, yeah, you know Justin the South African. So yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Was yeah. there? Yeah. <laughs> Small world. Yeah. Nice. Um, I don't know, guys. Any what other questions have you got for for Seb? Go on, Adam. Yeah, I, 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 I'm really interested to know, like, from my own point of view, what are the most annoying things that players uh, do on a pitch or the way that they act towards you as a, as a, from a referee's point of view, what stuff should we be steering? Have you, have you ever had like something where someone's done something and you thought, do you know what? I don't like this team or this really annoys no, me. No, man. I mean, I think in, and I ref five years in a row, only one time I could say a, a player annoyed me or twice. This comes with arrogancy when, when you know, uh, they behave arrogant, they are the best, they are a, a national team player and they uh, underestimate you and they put you down. That would annoy me. It happened to me twice in my in my life. So I, I can't answer from a player's perspective because a player doesn't annoy me. Of course, um, you have those. Uh, we have the case also in every time, but this Saturday... For example, when you see a very clear knock-on or the ball is not thrown straight and they start screaming at you, ref, knock-on, ref, that was not straight. And you say, wait, I saw it. I'm giving you advantage. Yeah. So probably that, but I wouldn't say that annoys me. What annoys me or who annoys me is the coach, for example. If a coach starts talking to my AR and the AR starts a dialogue with him, that annoys me. Yeah. Other than that, I, players don't annoy me. I can't say that. So what, even even if like when, for instance, something happens and then all the players go, oh, knock on ref or referee, uh, does, does that annoy you? I, I, I wouldn't use that word. Um, then uh, I would talk to the captain and say, hey, if I see that recurring, then it's uh, first it's a penalty and then it's a yellow card. Yeah. But I, 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 I don't feel annoyed. You understand what I mean with annoying? Annoying is, uh, for example, people um, saying bad words. Yeah, I hear a spectator, you know, uh, cursing a player or a coach cursing a player. That would annoy me. Yeah, but there's, there's been many teams that I played with, and there's always the expression "let's not lose the ref." But is that possible to lose the ref? Do you know what I mean by that? By like, okay, the referee's against us now, sort of like he's giving. He's yeah. been really strict with us, and he's been lenient on the other team. Maybe because we we've been back chatting or something like that. That's what that's what we're getting at. But when I say annoyed, that's what I kind of mean. Do, do, yeah, yeah, do yeah. does we that influence you when you make decisions and stuff? Yeah, we, 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 no, no, not when making decisions. But we are human beings, of course, and we, we have chemistry with uh, some players more than than with others. Uh, and of course, um, you you know some players. You know, for example, you hear a captain telling the other team's captain, "Hey, your players should behave. Please tell them not to talk to the ref." And they do that to buy me. You know, to, but that I wouldn't say it annoys me. But you don't earn points by doing that. But it doesn't mean you always try to to have a cold head. You know, and and be fair and be consistent. So. Uh, I, I couldn't say because I don't have a chemistry with this player, I will, uh, you know, ref differently. No. Mm. Yeah. Tom, have you got anything to to chime in with there? Yes. Thank God a referee has said it. Can we stop like this whole psychology of the ref rubbish? They ref the rules or the laws or whatever. It doesn't matter if you're a nice guy or a horrible guy. 
they're still their job is to referee the laws and that's what they do so why we have to have so much talk about body language towards the referee and all this stuff is so confusing to me because referees their job is just to referee the laws and that's what they do so i i agree with you seb when you're saying i understand it when you're saying um that you yes it's annoying but it won't affect your decision making because that makes sense it's like i don't like some of the players i play with but if they're good i'll pass them the ball but i don't have to like them <laughs> I, th- I think i think this is i think we've, we've done something wrong here we've got like the perfect referee on haven't we that's the problem <laughs> Uh, well, I'm asking questions about personal experience where I know for a fact my team have not been very disciplined and then every single decision's kind of gone against us. That's that's what I was getting at. But yeah, we've got we've got the perfect ref on, which is which is uh, which is put my my arguments to, to bed. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, we've I think as players we've we've probably all been in those games when, you know, yellow cards are given a lot and so on, but yeah, it's I, I I also agree with with everything you've been saying there, Seb. It's it's very valid. Um, and maybe just kind of going back to what we were saying earlier, do you think it as referees, the more games you're playing in the season, do you think you naturally just kind of get more into the flow and into the rhythm of it, and then you your 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 individual referee performances improve as well? Yeah, and again, it's very personal. So if um, you're a referee that wants to improve, you know, and, and you take these 110% and you give everything uh, for the sake of, of the game, for the, the love um, for the game, and then yes, definitely. Yeah, because, you know, I, um, there was a season in Germany, I had so many games. I was refing um, during weekdays at the school and then um, during uh, the weekend. And on one day I said, I think I learned it all. I had all the examples someone can have or could happen. And the next weekend, man, I was in a situation where I didn't know what to do. It was the first time I had this uh, situation, playing situation. I had to go uh, later to the law book. I had to consult. I didn't know. So what I'm trying to say here is, yeah, the more games you have, the the better ref you become, but you have to do your homework as well. You have to um, uh, join uh, podcasts, for example, from referees. You have to watch rugby a lot. Yeah, you have to watch international rugby a lot. Listen all the time. Look at the ref. Listen to what the ref is explaining. Sometimes I, I don't even look at the players. I, I follow the AR where he's um, uh, eye contact. And, and I, I just follow the ref. I, I became a bit obsessed, but uh, definitely it helps you. So there is some homework, but the more games you have, the better you become. It's learn by doing, of course. As long as you're not following them in their daily lives as well, like on the streets or in the supermarket or something, then... I think it's okay. <laughs> uh, go on, Tom. How do you know if you've had a good game or not? So how do you know you've refereed well or refereed badly? Because players' feedback could be very bad. Like they're not going to tell you the truth necessarily or their experience might have been that you were rubbish. However, technically you were really good. So how would you like judge how you've refereed? I, I don't have the proper answer for that because there were games, um, believe me, I felt very good. My wife made me feel even better. I got positive feedback. Then I watched the game and it was rubbish. And I couldn't believe how I missed a lot of things. Um, usually, you know it, you look for feedback and, and you know if, um, number one, a ref always knows uh, the mistakes. You always and this is this can this is very difficult and, and I think you were asking me Adam you asked me once I think um, we always know the, the mistakes we made um, and and how do you cope with that and, and in my case I had to go for kind of a therapy because um, in the middle of the game I made a very bad call and I knew it then and I couldn't recover and then it affects your concentration and it affects the way you think because you know that. Uh, you uh, should have blown uh, the whistle towards blue um, and then you didn't do it and then you want to benefit blue again, you know, uh, and, 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 and yeah, it, your head goes. So you always know when you didn't have a good game. You always know it. Yeah? And regardless if you get good feedback and you know, 
know, you know. So one of the things you can do is go back to the, um, I mean, look for feedback. Don't ask for feedback after the game because everyone is kind of still with the adrenaline up. So um, call on Monday, yeah, try to, to mm-hmm. seek for advice or feedback on Monday. Uh, and also, if you have the chance to, to get your um, game recorded, then watch the game. Watch the game. Interesting. What what type of um like throughout the season here or you know or the seasons in in Norway do you have like are you uh, do you get sent away on on courses for for refereeing do you have kind of like refreshers or or any kind of trainings like that or is it all just kind of no 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 yeah. unfortunately not in Norway but I know that Seth has been advocating or has been supporting the referees so I think we do have um, we sent two guys last year one of them became rugby Europe uh, Romain the uh, French guy yeah the, we have another rugby Europe who used to ref here in Norway uh, we have him now in Denmark he moved to Denmark what's his name but he's also French and so and and Seth was also um, exchanging referees. So, um, and she even posted once in Facebook, mm-hmm. if anyone is looking for an experience abroad, then she has the contacts. Uh, so, uh, but we, we are not, I mean, in my case, we're not doing it. I'm not doing it, but I know Romain has been uh, yeah, exposed to, to rugby Europe, which is good. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? I, I mean, I remember when I was living in the Czech Republic, they would have, this again, going back to how I met the other guys from Germany, they all came over to kind of help train the referees. And yes. I think something like that would be very valuable here as well. Like, you know, people like Paul, for example, you know, who is a very good referee in his own right, I think would be a very good addition to kind of come over here for, for a week or two and, and do a couple of games and, and things like that and kind of work with the with all the different referees here as well. Yeah him and, and all the guys you mentioned there the only problem we have in Norway for the exchanges is that you have like a queue think of, of Norway as a queue when it comes to refereeing so um, if uh, there is a ref missing in Sweden are they going to call Norway no they might look at uh, Denmark and then they jump all the way to Germany or the Netherlands mm-hmm. yeah. so last year I was lucky enough to be asked but that's because a lot of referees in all the countries I just mentioned they turned down the offer so yeah that's a fact yeah yeah it's tricky it's tricky um go on tom yeah um rugby europe when you are refereeing a game and then you're being examined on your refereeing how does that affect your performance cool i mean in my case um it's uh, um, i was not um, i was um, years ago assessed by rugby Europe or by, by even you mentioned Czech Republic so I had the chance to be Penguins uh, Czech Republic and uh, I mean your head 50% of my head would be uh, with the uh, uh, people assessing yeah. mm-hmm. and I mean Jono or, or the, the refs you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, well, Jono is also emotional but but um, uh, the others I mean they, they, they can focus 100% on the game that that's that depends it doesn't depend how good ref you are it depends on your personality how you cope how good you cope with stress you know and and when if if you love this sport and you really want to become a rugby europe referee then of course you will be extremely nervous yeah yeah but i mean you you can kind of liken that to being a player as well i mean i relish the times when someone's watching me or it's there's high stakes so like when I go to a national team camp, for example, and I'm, I'm playing for a shirt, then there's all there's always a bit of nerves. Uh, but I think, I don't know if there's any correlation there with the referee as well, but then when we play on the international stage and rugby Europe are there and stuff, and the, the whole country's watching and there's, there's folks there, obviously there's mm-hmm. it, it's there with you, but um, you've got to learn, I think you've got to learn to kind of block that out. And sometimes that can actually give you a lift as well. Is that is that is that would you say that's the same with refereeing as well when there's when the, the occasion is it like a case of don't let the occasion get to you sort of thing? And that's the point, and it's very subjective. It, it varies from person to person. I think so, it's completely different to being a player because as a player, you can have like a moment of glory, 
So if you're in like rugby training to like competing for a place in the national team or playing for Norway, you could score the winning try after having a terrible game. If a referee makes a mistake and then makes every right decision after that, they're only going to remember the mistake. There's no glory moment for a referee. They start like as anonymous and then the only thing they can do is sort of bodge up and go downhill because that's the nature of refereeing. Like they're never going to be celebrated. A referee can never score the winning try or lift a trophy or have that moment of redemption. All they can do is go downhill, really. They start off minute one, no mistakes. The only thing they can do is make mistakes. Like that's their only option. If they get a decision right, play on. So I think the the balance is completely different from being a player to being a referee. Voice of reason, Tom. I'm impressed. I've never heard I'd... more logic come out of Tom's mouth in my life. But here's the thing. Sometimes I think... <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, um... I think was if, if a Rugby Europe would be watching a game, if that could affect the referee's performance and the answer is it depends uh, ref to ref. Uh, it would affect me a bit because I would be extremely nervous. Yeah, it's it's fair. It's it's down to the person, I guess, more than anything. Um, yeah. Uh, so you did you referee that Penguins game then in the Czech Republic? I was uh, on the sideline. Ah, uh, okay. My my friend was the starting ten for the Penguins, and I think hey, um, wow. Finn Russell's brother was playing as well, if I'm not mistaken. Archie Russell, uh, yeah, good game that. I went to go and watch it. it very very good. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so enlighten us all. What's the Penguins game then, guys? What's this about? It's the Penguins. You might know more than me, Seb, but I believe they can. They, they're a touring team, right? And it's made up of like it's kind of a barbarian style fixture. Yeah, it's HSBC Penguins, and you have it in um, the southern hemisphere, and you have Kiwis and. Uh, then you have it also the, the, the British um, HSBC Penguins and you have UK players. Very yeah. good. So they, they did like a touring thing and they came to the Czech Republic and uh, they had like players from like Nat One, maybe one or two championship players. They had like some of the really good university players. So like Finn Russell's brother Archie was, uh, I think he's a number nine. I think he was playing. And then my friend who actually is a professional rugby player in Prague was selected he's south african but he was selected to be on the penguin side um and yeah they just kind of play really and then they did like coaching clinics throughout the week and and things like that they did uh you know various other things but it, it was really cool it's good uh good environment i think um you know for me my I, I will be a little bit biased but i think looking at countries like Germany and the Czech Republic I think there's a lot of really good learnings that can be taken away from them in terms of how to help grow the sport here I don't know if you would kind of agree with that Seb yes and don't forget uh, Poland has been increasing mm. a lot in, uh, has, in yeah. the Netherlands and the Netherlands has been going up in level as well so. yeah. yeah I think one of the things that helped Germany though was um because you know the drink cap is on yeah 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 no I was there yeah. at the whole uh yeah. cap. Yeah, there was a story yeah. about yeah. Yeah, so what the owner of Capison is a massive rugby yeah. fan, loved rugby, and just decided to pump loads and loads of money into the sport. So mm -hmm. I don't, yeah. So I mean, I'm not not taking anything away from Germany and the yeah. Germany sport, but having that massive injection of cash obviously helped a lot. <laughs> and then he left, yeah, and, and that was when Germany beat um, Uruguay and Romania. Mm. And unfortunately, he left, and and now um, the, the sport is no longer professional. So you rely on the local players. Yeah, but this is kind of similar to what happened in, in Prague, right? So they had one club had all, this investor come in and he brought in loads of money, and he basically said to the coaches, "Like, right, I want South Africans." So they then flew over about fifteen South Africans on like semi-professional professional contracts to into the Czech Republic. They played one season in the second division where they won every single game and conceded like three points literally the entire season and then they got promoted to the first division then the investor backed out and then some of the players went back to south africa but then the others went to like all the different clubs and that kind of helped make it a semi-professional sport over there and then you know a lot of these players would sign like professional contracts or semi-pro contracts they'd get a flat for free and then there'd be some of them would be given a job and a bit of money 
others would just be given a salary. And now, like, if you look at their national team, it's full of, like, it's got, like, three South Africans in it and then a few more who are about to qualify. And these are all, like, professional players. You know, some of them have played at a really good level. Like, you're talking, like, uh, I uh, Curry Cup and, and things like that. And now um, that has really helped the growth of the sport over there. Um, but then having, like, these touring teams come in as well is just massive for them. Yeah, it's uh, interesting stuff. Um, any other questions, Tom, Adam? No, I don't Tom? have anything. I just thought it'd be good if, Seb, do you have any other thoughts? Or do you have any if questions you want for to us? say? Any thoughts or any questions for us? I, I, I don't have uh, questions. I, I, I sincerely hope that um, we can all um, have the same goal here, um, which is growing um, rugby in Norway. Uh, I think players, coaches, again, referees, and everyone involved in this game, uh, we can all do something. And, and let's uh, stay positive. Uh, let's try to, to find sponsors, if that's possible, because we need games in Norway. Um, and you guys were mentioning um, some, some of the teams. I also learned uh, they are students, so that's why... Um, Trondheim, for example, I think two games I, I was supposed to officiate, they cancelled because they couldn't come over. So let's uh, stay positive. Um, we are a small community, community uh, but but please, I mean, uh, we, we are a great community. You are a great community. Yeah, and look at what you achieved with such a small number of players. So let's uh, try to, to uh, stay positive and, and motivated despite the fact we don't have so so many games and try to find sponsors and try to get games and try to find people and especially uh, youth young kids uh, to, to start playing the game that's all which 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 why I put my hand up then um I'll actually be seeing Seb this this weekend he's going to be refereeing at a tournament which is going on in Stavanger uh, for youth we have um 70 youth players coming from around Norway to come and play a tournament on Saturday. It's called the Watson Cup. And we named it after a guy called Russ Watson, who plays prop for us, who started uh, one of the guys who started up. We call the youth uh, section here in Stavanger the Berserkers. And Russ Watson uh, stepped down from the Berserkers uh, a couple of years ago. And in his honour, we, we decided we were going to have uh, try and make the biggest youth tournament in Norway. Started out last year was the first one. We had maybe three or four teams that come and it's built. And now we've got, like I said, 70 players and Seb's our, our main uh, official, uh, match official, uh, referee for, the, for this weekend. We're going to have, um, we're trying to do it like a, a proper rugby day. So they're going to, they're going to overnight in, in a school hall. And then we do the game as a tournament style. And then we've got a social for the, all the kids at the end as well. Uh, with a disco and and there's free food for all the kids all, all, all day, barbecue and stuff like that. So it's going to be really good. Uh, it'd be nice to kind of just wanted to plug that. But uh, Seb was the first bloke to put his hand up when I was telling him about it. He said he would, could, you're so excited to get involved because uh, you were there in the first one uh, last year, weren't you, Seb? And uh, yeah, going to be there. It's going to be a good good weekend, I think. That's awesome. You need to give us a, a rundown and a report in the next episode on that, Adam. Um, Absolutely, really for sure. Yeah, yeah um, sure. and we can't forget to plug Tom's rise to rise to fame on Instagram, Tom in North. Um, please, please go and give him a follow on the old Insta box. Um, yeah, but it's you know I, I I totally agree with you, Seb. I think you know it is obviously it is a small community, and it, you know it's kind of reflective in the in the listenership we have on this pod of about a hundred people, which is the the rugby community in Norway. Um, but yeah, we, we do need to, you know, and it'd be great to have yourself and the other referees on at some point as well. I think the more conversations we can have about the sport and everything else and just kind of even just getting to know each other a bit more, I think is really useful and um, beneficial in the long run. And obviously we, we as players or as coaches, and in my case, we, we do appreciate all the referees. Um, I know it's, it's a bit of a thankless task at times, especially when you, uh, with some players, um, but yeah, we do appreciate everything, and um, yeah, hopefully we can we can help improve or or grow the sport in in this country because it does have a huge amount of potential. 
Couldn't agree more. And thanks very much for taking the time out of your day today, Sebastian, for coming on the pod and giving us reviews. That was uh, really interesting to see it. From it was. A, uh, Thank you really for interesting. the invitation, guys. Of course. Anytime. Great. Cool. Tom, if we do this as like a stop recording thing. No, I'll just tell you it's over. All right. <laughs> Boys, it was very nice, but it's over. <laughs> <laughs>